the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. Alphabet and Amazon crushed it with their latest earnings results. Crushed it. Um, those stocks are working higher today. Alphabet more so than Amazon, but still both kind of leaders, to say the least. For the week, the Nasdaq's up 4.2%. Keep in mind, it's only been Monday and Tuesday so far. Russell 2000's up 3.8%. The S&P mid-cap 400 is up 3.3%. And then you could start seeing some laggards with the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But even the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up to 2.4%, which is not bad. It's just not as good as what the NASDAQ's doing. NASDAQ tends to be growthier stocks. Dow Jones Industrial Average tends to be more of a hodgepodge. What else is out there? Um, we knew companies would crush it in earnings season and they have, and the companies that we knew, companies like Google and Amazon, Microsoft and Apple, they lived up to expectations. Now we're starting to wind down earnings season. GameStop's down 72% for the week. It's down 81% from its intraday high on Thursday. Hopefully you weren't the person who bought it at an all time high because trust me, it feels like I have been that person who's bought at an all-time high. The ADP employment change report for January showed an estimated 174,000 jobs were created to the private sector. It's a good number. Not Nothing great. Good. Nothing horrible. Good. So, I don't know. It's like bringing your bride home to meet your father. It's like, oh, good strong woman and you're like what do you mean good and what do you mean strong <laughs> like what do you mean character what are we talking here <sighs> same thing <laughs> oh my oh my oh my robin hood's gonna run a super bowl commercial this year how do you feel about that they found themselves they found themselves at the center of an uproar and on super bowl sunday Robin Hood's going to kick off what the company says is its largest branding campaign ever since the worst branding campaign ever tied towards GameStop. I almost feel bad for him. I mean, that's two big ad campaigns back to back right on top of each other, except for one was a public relationship crisis management scenario. But we'll see them and we'll all snicker down on Super Bowl Sunday. Amazon's expanding its biometric payment offering to more stores. Uh, Jeff Bezos is stepping down. Did you see that last night? 
stepping down as CEO. He'll still be chairman executive. He'll still be Dr. Evil. Because they do think he's doing more than just putting satellites into space and putting solar onto our roof. I think he's making laser beams. I think he's got a Death Star behind the moon that he's building with a super big laser that's going to stop traffic. Amazon is expanding its biometric payment system. So it's bringing its hand scan payment technology to more Amazon Go stores. It's trying to drum up some interest in the biometric payment technology, which, again, vertically speaking, when you see yesterday Uber ad alcohol delivery, something that's already out there, but not for them. It's a nice ad. Well, as I, I got my seasonal allergies kicking in. Is it that time already? Spring? Yep. So anyway, um, when Uber ha- adds a component like alcohol delivery, it's a pretty easy, easy fold-in technology merger acquisition kind of scenario. Same thing with Amazon and this biometric payment situation where they've internally built this business and they can spin it off pretty quickly to other retailers and or corporations who want to limit who comes into their building and or not. Impossible Foods is doing the right thing, in my opinion. They're cutting grocery store prices 20% to try to compete with the cow. <laughs> Poor cow. Cow has one thing going for it. I'm cheap. Burr than plants mixed into a process that results in plant-based meat. So, and I agree with this, to be honest with you, because I'll make red sauce spaghetti for the kids kind of thing. You throw in some garlic, you throw in some pepper, some salt, some whatever, and some whatever. Maybe some red peppers, because the kid's been bad. You want to punish them a bit with a sweaty pasta. But at $9.99 a pound versus $6.99 a pound, and you look at how many pounds these children can eat, you're like, the beef patty price is important, whether it's Plant protein, you can't tell the difference between meat protein in something like a sauce. But again, I'm not going to get into the whole burger thing, but obviously trying to get us to stores, Walmart, Kroger, Safeway, and Target. They know what inventory does, and they know how much people are willing to pay and not pay for a meal. Compete with a cow. Two to three dollars a patty. (laughs) I didn't think I'd hear that phrase quite like that. We knew in... We knew Impossible Foods' aggressive price cuts has turned up the heat on its biggest rival, Beyond Meat. So when Impossible Foods cuts prices, Beyond Meat stock goes down. Pretty interesting the way that works. No? Anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Apple sold $14 billion in bonds just recently to buy back stock. That's kind of an interesting one because you hear how many billions of dollars Apple has on their balance sheet. And you're like, why are you buying bonds? And they're buying lots of bonds because the bond prices are cheap right now. It's something that I've said intelligently in the past five years is that the low cost of money for you and me for mortgages is something that we should take advantage of if we're going to own a home or a second home. And if you're a corporation, you're going to build a building or expand your business, you should borrow money. Because when the cost of money is 1% to 2%, 
you could probably get a return on investment much higher than that. And if you're good at what you do, if you're bad, then that's not a good idea. Borrowing from Peter to pay Paul is never wise, right? But investors already know the size of the offering, $14 billion. Their coupons mature at seven-tenths of 1%. That's crazy. And they're going to use this money to buy back shares. So their earnings per share continue to grow. And Wall Street continues to go, aw, what a great little company they are. Growing debt to growing, growing debt to service debt to grow earnings. Fascinating, is it not? Got to keep those profit margins up. That's what I'll say. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. End of earnings season. There will be a transition as we move into the next couple of months of corporate news, political news, and less corporate news as far as earnings go. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Interesting to note that, um, what am I trying to say here? I don't know. Something was interesting, but it left my brain. What do you think the average net worth of someone 35 to 44 is? I saw that the average spreader now is right in that age group. It's the, it's not the millennials. It's Generation Xers. We can't even blame the millennials. But um, the average net worth of Americans age 35 to 44. This is interesting. I don't want you to compare yourself to the Joneses, but I want you to have enough to live till the day you die. Comfortably. I don't want you to ask the man for more money. I don't want you to be mad at the man. I don't want you to think your neighbor ripped you off. I want you to have a good, happy life. What do you think the average person is worth? Because that gives you an idea. Are you ahead or behind, right? The average American has $90,000 of debt. Dun, dun, dun. The average American, age 35 to 44, has an average net worth of $748,800. That's pretty interesting. That's a little bit more than I would have thought. It's important to know your net worth so you can plan ahead for a healthy retirement. Averages can be skewed by extremes on both ends. I grew up understanding math. I understand a lot of people didn't. I grew up understanding conjugating verbs and things like that. I don't understand women. Don't understand men. I don't understand sports. There's a lot that I don't understand. I understand one sport, soccer. But you start to lose me after that. And again, that's not exactly very American of me, is it? The median net worth of people between the age of 35 and 44 is $91,300. And yet the average American 
is higher. Net worth is your total amount of assets that you have in your name, minus any debts. It tends to increase with age. Higher earnings brings more opportunities to buy properties and stocks and bonds that help you create net worth over time. The median net worth of people aged 35 to 44 is 91,300, but the average net worth of the average American is $748,800. Looking at the median is better than looking at the average. In my opinion. But again, I just probably pissed someone off by saying that. Um, it sh the median show it's a better indicator of where most Americans fall on net worth spectrum. Now, when I told you the average was seven hundred forty-eight thousand, you're like, that's a good amount, and you start to feel comfortable. When I tell you the median sits at ninety-one thousand three hundred dollars, you're like, that's making me a little bit. That's not a lot of money. in my opinion. Clearly the wealthiest Americans right now are 75 plus years old. What? Did Rob Black just say that? Yes. Yes. And then you start getting into the people with very little average net worth or median net worth being people less than 35. The average net worth of someone under 35 is 76,000. 35 to 44, that number triples to 436,000. Anyhow and anyway, what I'm trying to throw down is that we're all going to be different. And the best thing you could do in your 30s and 40s is increase your income and reduce your debt. Both factors work hand in hand since you can't pay off debt without income, in theory. And some might argue that you have certain kinds of debt like student loans that allow you to earn more money, which is a positive. Just throw it out there for you. Experts say you should have 10 times your income saved by retirement age, which I think is easier to do when you can see all of your debt and savings in one place. That helps. One of the things you do when you change companies is you have one 401k and you have another 401k or you don't get the 401k for up to like two months or a whole year, whatever it may be, you don't qualify for. There's a probation period. But you want 10 times your income saved for by the time you hit retirement. So that's an easy one to figure out, right? You make 500,000, you need 5 million. You make 100,000, you need a, I don't know, you figure it out, right? But then again, it goes like, well, I like to buy shoes. You're saying, Rob Black likes to buy shoes? $400 pairs of shoes? Well, no, but for the sake of the story, I do. Then I may need to save more. So there's no great rule of thumb that applies to everyone. I want to get 10 to 20 times my income before I retire. And I can comfortably tell you, I did that. And I could retire. I'm not that stressed which is good and wonderful. And I have a lot of lessons in my head that got me to where I am. I started like you. I was very average, very blue collar before I chose my college. And then that's where I started to step up my game.
which brings me to a reminder between zero and 18, have fun. Don't put pressure on kids. It gets worse after that. 18 to 35, make all your mistakes. 30 to 45, you should be maxing out. You should start seeing the, the like, woohoo, I did it. And then you just don't really want to manage things in the last 10, 15 years. And then when you get to retirement, I, I personally believe in a professional financial planner. Um, everyone's going to come up with their own opinion there. But I think withdrawal rates from the IRS are a joke. When I say a joke, I'm not like, ha, 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 ha. I think it's difficult to know how to manage your retirement, especially since you start going senile and feeble as you get to that age. Which, for the record, way too many people, way too many people under my age are dropping dead, around my age dropping dead, and slightly above my age dropping dead. When Dustin Diamond from Screech from Saved by the Bell kicks over dead, you're like, I'm pretty sure he was a lot younger than me. And sure enough, yep. And then you're like, well, I, I, I'm not positive, but I think he did crack cocaine or meth in his life. And you're trying to like say, well, I didn't do that, so maybe I won't die early. And you're like, I'm not even sure if that's true. And But that sucks, right? When someone iconic, what, I know it's not iconic like Urkel. Probably like the two worst icons to be Urkel and Screech. That can't be a healthy way of growing up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Sony and PlayStation or Sony's PlayStation 5 helped drive profits over the holiday period. Even though it's a money loser on its hardware, it's a big money rake winner on its software. Interesting to see how many units expected to be sold by 2024. Sony's expected to thump Microsoft. Man, Microsoft can't win that one, but don't cry for Microsoft. Speaking of crying. Let's bring in briefing.com, talk about the markets, what's going on, what do we see important. Patrick O'Hare, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Coming out of earnings season, um, we don't have quite a bow to put on it yet, but Amazon and Alphabet were strong, and Amazon gave us a little bit of a something to think about last night after the market closed. What do you think about the big boys in technology's earnings? All right. Well, I think they <clears throat> they came through in spades, really, and I think offered another validation for why these stocks have continued to be loved and um, <laughs> and bid up uh, and bought on every spot of weakness, really, um, for a long time now. Um, you know, they're delivering on the promise of their investments and uh, and are putting up some really fantastic growth uh, on a year-over-year basis. You know that that coincides with why you would pay, you know, upwards of 30 times or uh, 20, 30 times earnings for a company like this and still think at a, you know, a one to two trillion dollar valuation still looks attractive. <laughs> so they did great. Uh, and I think your characterization of kind of like putting a bow on uh, the earnings reporting period is 
they did help do that in a certain respect. Uh, and it's been a very good earnings reporting period relative to the expectations coming into this period um, that called for a decline of about 9%. Uh, but with all of the huge earning beats we've seen, uh, you know, across the market, not just in these mega cap tech stocks, uh, you now have S&P 500 earnings uh, projected to, to actually grow just a little bit, uh, 0.1% at the last report I saw. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's a big statement in terms of um, just how well these companies are doing relative to expectations and some of the renewed momentum they've achieved uh, as we head into 2021. I don't want to make too big of a commentary out of this, um, but I'm surprised as well. Um, if you were to tell me, this is where we'd be a year almost to the calendar date of an anniversary inside of our media heads to the day. I'm, I'm surprised um, how well earnings have, have held up because, again, it's part of the whole mask controversy. Do you need to wear one? Do you not need to wear one? Is the government shutting us down? Is the government helping us? It's, and then you get into, but Wall Street earnings are fine, um, fine-ish, but then again, they're also being supported by stimulus. What do you make of like where we go with stimulus and maybe – how does the market justify its valuation in the year, year and a half to come? Well, you know, I think the market, you know, we talked about just looking at it on the surface, right? Traded about 22 times forward 12 month earnings, right? That's a roughly a 40% premium to the 10 year average. Uh, but the market, uh, despite trading at that level, uh, I think is still anticipating that earnings are going to be even better than what are, are, are expected for 2021. And so in its mind, it might see 22 times forward 12-month earnings, but if it thinks earnings are going to be, say, 10% greater than what is currently projected, well, it's really seeing, you know, 20 times uh, forward 12-month earnings. So it just, you know, the, the, the impact of all this stimulus is that, is that it, it kind of always provides a ready source of rationalization uh, to defend you know, um, a lot of argument in terms of where things are going to go and, and, and to kind of put a cherry on top of all those arguments and, and suggesting that things are all going to work out okay. And, uh, you know, and the market is, is really riding on this liquidity. It's riding on the promise of ongoing fiscal and monetary policy support. And while long-term rates have come up some, um, they're still, you know, historically low. And, uh, and, and that's been an underpinning factor here. Um, and the market just hasn't been undone by any of that, uh, nor by reports of kind of some of the concerns surrounding the new variants uh, that involved the uh, coronavirus. But, you know, instead it's fixated on the, the arrival of new vaccine, vaccines, the uh, accelerated uh, improvement in terms of vaccination efforts, and continues to be laser focused on the idea that, um, the progression of things as we move through 2021 should be more favorable than unfavorable. And so it continues to buy into weakness and it, uh, and it effectively trades with very little fear, frankly. Switching gears, if we can, I mentioned earnings season starting to wrap up and we march towards, I guess, deeper into 2021. The retail side of the fence, in my opinion, has held up pretty strong. And again, psychologically, we go, haven't people lost jobs? And psychologically, I feel like we're more damaged than the reality of the numbers that I'm seeing come out. Do you think the retailer, 
the 21st century retailer, uh, a lot of things have changed. Do you think the retailer, do we ever go back to a, maybe a more normal area where you and I are talking and we're saying, oh, these are historically good normal numbers? Or mm-hmm. you, you mentioned like tech companies. I'm now valuing companies on free cash flow versus earnings. I'm, I've changed the rules. Has, has the pandemic changed anything forever more in your mind as far as the rules go? Uh, it's a good question. It is a good um, question, and I, I think. And I, and I, I hesitate to ask. I, I think, you know, I, I, my, my inclination to say is that I don't, I don't think it does. You know, um, I don't know if you heard on maybe CNBC yesterday, Mark Cuban make an argument that, yes. you know, effectively fundamentals don't matter for, for companies that, that don't pay a dividend. It's all about supply and demand and, and trading the stock. And it's, you know, and as he says, you know, when you're in a stock like that and you go long, you want to go loud, too, because you're hopefully attracting more interest to drive the price up so that effectively you can get out. Um, I don't, you know, I think he, within that argument, missed missed the boat in, in, in the sense that, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think the, the supply and or the demand really is still always going to come back to uh, to the fundamental picture, right? And and I suppose as you're suggesting, you know, as you're looking at you know valuing things a little bit differently and maybe putting a more of a premium on free cash flow as opposed to maybe earnings or uh, or anything else, um, we might have a different way of looking at it. But really, ultimately, it's still the same approach that you're valuing things on a fundamental basis, and that's not going to change. And and that's why uh, when we ultimately hit an inflection point, uh, we don't know when that will be, but let's just say that the catalyst for uh, having a greater appreciation for stretch valuations is the idea that you have long-term interest rates uh, a good bit higher from where they are currently. Uh, everyone's going to be talking about fundamentals, and you're going to hear, well, gosh, we were so overvalued, and now rates are higher, and you know, there's better alternatives now than just stocks, and and uh, and that that's not going to change. But what you and I both witnessed in the dot com days, and uh, and we've seen across you know along the years, you know, stocks can stay overvalued and overbought for an extended period of time, even though you can make a good rational argument that they're that they are overvalued. But you know, when there's a lot of liquidity support, kind of can stay elevated here and probably will um, until there's some real convincing catalyst that uh, creates some real fear in the market and and some broad-based selling interest. I would be remiss if I didn't ask, and I'm sorry that I'm asking. I think you know it's coming up. What do you think happens with the Robinhood drama as it pertains to Robinhood, but also as it pertains to AMC and GameStop? Um, probably the most over-asked question on Wall Street right now. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I think as it relates to just to the, the stocks themselves, I mean, I, I think they kind of they die maybe a slower death than some might otherwise think. I mean, we obviously have seen a huge drawdown in, in the in GameStop and AMC here, but you you kind of see it levitating. We saw it levitating here for GameStop anyway, around a hundred dollars per share. Which, again, if you had said uh, you know a month or two ago that it would be at a hundred dollars, people would have laughed at you, right? And I think there's there's kind of like this this social uh, support uh, that that's going to want to try and keep that thing levitated maybe a little bit longer than than it deserves to be. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I think that the controversy, I think ultimately will die down. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, there's kind of been a comeuppance here and I think there's an appreciation now for social capital, uh, on the part of the retail investor being, you know, 
uh, more influential now in, in driving maybe individual stocks more so than the overall market. And you're going to kind of kind of see, I think, some of these continued, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, surgical strikes uh, as it relates to pushing individual stocks uh, the way that that social capital wants to take them. And uh, you might also have a, a greater concern on the part of professional money managers about getting heavily shorted uh, in, in, in individual stocks, knowing that that social capital is out there ready to be deployed. Uh, so if anything, the uh, professional investors should have a greater appreciation for risk management strategies than they might have had otherwise before all this happened. I knew I'd get a good answer out of you. And I always feel like you just told me the plot of Jaws before I went to the beach. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to ever invest again. What if a short seller campaign gets involved in a company I own? I guess that would probably be good. But I think people need to be ready for, um, how shall we say, some new drama and some new twists that we haven't seen before, sir. Well, that's right. You know, you kind of hear some talk, you know, every now and then about how short selling should be illegal. Well, I think given this episode, you don't really even need to go there because the market's going to regulate itself or it's going to basically, you know, hold people to account for trying to take uh, a short position. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's just the the game has changed, if you will. And and I think it's fair to call it a game, but it's now more... well known oh. in terms of the retail crowd and, and their ability to, 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 to play that game effectively. You're the best. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news pertaining to markets around the world. I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of the companies. I start my day every day with his page one, but the whole website is it's thorough. Uh, check it out. Briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, stock Tech had strong earnings. There's incrementally positive news on the vaccine. Maybe incrementally positive news on the stimulus front. Those are really what should be driving the market right now. But there seems to be a little bit, for me, hangover of what happened with GameStop at AMC. I'm not saying I got post-traumatic stress disorder, but maybe a little bit. Again, I'm not trying to be cute or funny on that in any way, shape, or form. Sony sold over 4.5 million PlayStation 5 consoles over the holidays. Kind of online with what they did with PlayStation 4. But their profit forecast is up 34%. Not too shabby. Profit in the quarter rose 50% from the previous year. Kind of starting to get a little foggy in our head of what was the previous year? Was that a COVID year or was it not a COVID? In this case, it was a pre-PlayStation 5 year. These companies do themselves no favors by announcing ahead of time 18 months we're got a new console coming don't buy the old one we have a new console coming don't buy the old one so it kind of limits it it shows their year-over-year dip right before a big surge again sony is focused on exclusive like spider-man miles morales xbox has halo soon maybe bethesda softworks is going to become a division of them which they're big into the elder scrolls franchise for microsoft Will that be an exclusive? Will that piss off some Sony PlayStation users? Will it be eventually released on the PlayStation 5? I don't know. Can't say that I have a fighting interest in it. Uh, Maybe I do. 
maybe I do. The more I think about it, I own shares of Microsoft. And I own shares of Activision. Robin Hood's kicking off a Super Bowl commercial, which just makes you think, ah, you probably could have saved some money on that one. But even though they have been sued, their app was by far and away a huge winner winner chicken dinner on the App Store last week. So a lot of accounts were open that the ad agency is like, dang it, dang it, we could add those on the Super Bowl and got some kudos for that win. But I think uh, the thunder has been stolen. The eagle is down. Mr. President, it's time to leave. Yeah. Drama, right? This last year has witnessed millions die in a pandemic. Let's not forget that. A global economic downturn, a political ferment fueled by extremists around the world. There's been catastrophic consequences with the warming of the earth. I'm not against green investing. Bloomberg does a really nice newsletter. If you Google Bloomberg Green newsletter, email letter, does a really nice job of laying down statistics, whether you agree with them or not. I'm not going to get into that fight. I'm just going to tell you that they're alarming and they show you the nature of why you maybe want to invest in this area. Or at least me. The Center for Disease Control has suggested wearing two masks, one over the other, to protect the growing number of more easily transmitted coronavirus variants. Let's just go to three. Let's go with DEFCON 3 on this one. I want you to wear two masks and a garbage bag over your shoulders. A garbage bag poncho. And I want you to have a fan that actively sprays uh, bleach in the air. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to be funny. It's just, okay, I, I actually kind of like the idea of two masks. I'm one of those people that I like being warm and, and bundled up. So I'm good with all of this. Doctors Without Borders are warning that Southern Africa is in dire need of vaccine doses. Wow. That can get your head spinning. Where do you say, you know, for instance, and again, I got to be very careful so as not to get fired. At what point do you go, okay, 50-year-old Beverly Hills people are more important than African villages or poor people in Africa or a poor nation than our nation like where do you draw this line and remember we shut down right before trump left office he's like do we he's opening up traffic to africa when he's trying to like bring in the african variant who cares i'm no longer driving this bus and then biden instantly shuts down travel where is it statistically in our best interest to shut down international markets versus vaccinating people in the bay area we can afford two masks. We can afford the education on what science is doing and not doing. It's fascinating to me, to say the least, to watch. And in India, holy mackerel, have you been watching BBC on India? India's capital, New Delhi. They've had the virus, they've developed antibodies, more than half the residents. You hang out with billions of people in a nation that's pretty crowded and it's gonna run through the population. Amazon's chief executive office officer, Jeff Bezos, is retiring. He's going to step down from his post. Um, he's been the driving force since 1997. I was talking more Amazon than Snap, but 
it's time to go. No, it's not time to go. It's just a normal part of a business life cycle. And it, I, it's almost appreciated that he stayed on for 23 years plus. He has a spaceship company he wants to oversee. He has an earth fund he wants to continue to focus on. He's got the Washington Post. The Washington Post. He has a newspaper. He can go write poetry and get it published every single day if he wants to. Um, Amazon Day One program. So he's got some things he could focus on other than being CEO. And again, the man he's turning the CEO title over to, it's in title. But he's done a really nice job for Amazon Web Services. Impossible Foods is cutting grocery prices 20% trying to compete with a cow. That's the funniest phrase of the day for me. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. 